This podcast was proudly produced by NZ Audio Editors. For all your editing services, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.nzaudioeditors.com. Ryan J. Melson and Greg Moll from One Plan for Retirement would like to welcome you to the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. In this podcast, we'll break down the psychological tools and financial framework you need to live the life you want to ensure you don't run out of money before you run out of life. Hello, Greg. Hello, Ryan. It's a wonderful day today, even though it's raining. Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's about p- perspective. You know, there's, there's yeah. two sides to every kind of weather. Yeah, yeah. rain's um, good for the trees. And it's great for analogies when comparing to yeah. the bank. Um, stop all those nasty contractors cutting down those wonderful native trees in Canal Road and Avondale. Hope the police put the raincoats. <laughs> All right, well, uh, this is just a bit of a somber start to the episode, but uh, there's still hope because we're talking about a passion of yours, Greg. Save the native trees. That is another passion of yours, yeah, turning a farm into an oasis of native trees. Tomorrow I'll be planting native trees, probably the last planting of the season um, because at the moment it's in late September. Mm. Uh, And, of course, if we get a bit of a drought in the... Later in the year, the trees won't survive, so you can't plant much later than now. This will be pushing the envelope. Yeah, right. Well, I'll be thinking of excuses not to come. Well, um, Ryan doesn't have to think of excuses not to come. He just doesn't turn up. <laughs> I've and, been a and the one times. time I went to pick him up, he was still asleep. Yeah, well, you're driving. I got there. I did the work. When I um, when I went there, though, I, I caught a, ma- a rash that went across my whole body and, like, that's so Couldn't exciting. Even walk. Oh, That's yeah. so exciting. I don't know what manual labor is anymore. A friend of mine who went with me last time, I said, would you like to come along? And he said, no, that took me four days for my bruising from using an auger to disappear. In fact, it still hasn't disappeared. I'm going, oh, okay. Yeah, you're hard case. Yeah, what's wrong with these people? They're remember, soft, eh? <laughs> you even brought They'd kids never out survive at the front in the First World War. They'd be, they'd be, I'll know, be in the back in the, with the maps and stuff. Yeah. Like, go on. Yeah, I'm su- I was surprised actually you gave me your right address because it wouldn't have surprised me if you gave me the wrong one. I'm knocking on the door and nothing happened. Yeah, I sent you, re- I sent a resignation, but you must not have got it. Eh? Yeah. No. Oh well. Well, on that note, there's things more exciting than native trees, and that's actually part of my long-term vision is to actually own a house and then plant my own trees and put it into a trust, so then people can't cut it down. But I have to look into how to do that. Yeah, that'd be tricky. Yeah, it would be very tricky. So you don't want to plant the native tree right next to the house, <laughs> and then you can't. Which <laughs> I saw happen once, and that native tree was a cowrie. Oh, and I'm going. Where do you think this tree's going to go? Tree house. That's well, where it's it, going. well, exactly. The house could be in a in a tree, <laughs> so the tree will get bigger and knock the house off its foundations. We need bushwhackers. Yeah. Eh? This is yeah. a lost talent. You can't help some people. No, you can't. All right, well, and speaking of passions, though, you seem to be a big collector of art, so I'm curious, first, what started that? Because 
I'm trying to avoid catching that vibe. <laughs> but what, what what first got you into art? Well, you know, I think that people who collect things are far more interesting than people that don't collect things. Oh, okay. Well, so, yeah. and it doesn't matter, I suppose, whether it's matchboxes, pens, um, um, savings, money boxes, um, <laughs> knives and forks. It doesn't doesn't matter. Everyone has irons, old irons, any old iron you could collect yeah, irons. Yeah. But for me, it, it's always really been art and where did it come from it really came from my time at Mount Abbott Grammar when I was doing more academic classes but we were forced to do art and the what was then in the third time and I had this wonderful art teacher and that chap called Arnold Wilson and I'm not an artist I can draw a little bit but he really instilled in me an enjoyment of art a love for art and when I was able to, as a young accountant working in Newmarket in Auckland, uh, I would get my paycheck and go across the road, but just across the road was an auction house. It was called George Walker's, and I started buying things uh, that I enjoyed, and principally amongst those were artworks, that it was something I enjoyed the image. Uh, it resonated with me for one reason or other, uh, was within my budget because when you're a collector, um, you need to have a budget that you can work on. Um, otherwise, you'd be accused, as I have been accused, of buying things I don't need with money I don't have <laughs> to impress people I don't like. No well, no I mean that's just nonsense. <laughs> but I do like I do like the people. The, but when you're a collector, of course, you need to. Um, work to a bit of a budget. What happens though over time is if your income goes up and your budget goes up, you're able to buy um, better quality, in my case art. Um, and of course I had a better feeling and a bit more of a knowledge of what things are worth. And it's always a bit tricky with art, particularly if you're dealing with the artist, because the value is in the eyes of the beholder. And I would never want to insult an artist and say, I think their work is less than what they're asking for but it's always my choice to buy or not. And art, for me, has always been an emotional experience, not an investment decision. So if the price is too high, I'll get the emotional experience somewhere else with an art piece that's more affordable. Um, Over the years, I've branched out, and because I've been interested in in military history and, and I joined the Territorial Army when I was a student looking for holiday employment, and people would say to me, you know, why are you still there? And I'd say, well, after 37 years, no one's asked me to leave. But then they did. <laughs> so that was a bit sad. But uh, so I've got an interest in military art. And um, again, I've been collecting that over time. Not in as an investment, because I've got no interest in selling it. But it becomes a collection. And whether that makes me more interesting or not, Again, depends on the person I'm talking to <laughs> or the person who's listening. Um, currently, there's a, an exhibition of some of the military art that I have at the Papakura Museum mm, in Papakura in South Auckland. 
and uh, the nice people there have uh, invited me to put a collection of about 40 works going from the colonial wars to World War One and to World War Two, and there's some uh, piece, more modern pieces as well reflecting some of the peacekeeping duties that New Zealanders have been involved in. So that collection over time has become probably more important because of the volume and, and how it's been, um, uh, the works that I've collected. And so now I've got to think about where will it ultimately go. Mm. And it'll probably ultimately go to the Auckland War Memorial Museum that are actually storing some of the works at the moment. Not exhibiting them, which is a shame, but they are storing them. Hopefully uh, they will exhibit them. Or what my plan is, is really to have a, a virtual military art museum so that people can go online and view the military art and view the information behind it. The New Zealand government through the New Zealand archives have a a military collection that they've effectively inherited from the various military artists that go right back to uh, the First World War through to uh, the Second World War in in the more modern era. But there's no description there. There's no story. You can see the image. What I want to do is to you know, give people an opportunity to learn more about the military art and learn more about the stories behind it. Yeah. And there's two parts to it. There's actual works that are done by military artists and then there's what I'd call contemporary military art which might be done by family members or other people who are interested. A classic would be someone like Ralph Hokery who did the Sangro series, which was really about his father's experiences in the Maori Battalion in Italy. Mm, okay. Well, I'm, I'm curious. So if you had... There's a lot of collectible things that you have. If you had to put a number in terms of how many military collections, art-related... Um, we won't talk about the guns because of the change in legislation. What guns? What okay, guns? I, I don't think there's any guns. Uh, like military badges, paintings, money boxes. How many do you think you got? Well, there's a fair number. I don't know. I've never put a, 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 a exact number on it, and I'm not really worried about that because it's not a it's not a competition. No, okay, you know, right. to, oh, I've got to have more you know badges than anyone else. Um, the thing is, if you're a collector and you start getting into it, you want to fill the collection out and yeah. make it. Um, representational now you know i'm not ever going to compete with someone like peter jackson and have more planes and military items that you can poke a stick at because Mm. it all comes down to uh, what you can afford what you um, are prepared to look after because the thing i would argue about art is that there is an obligation to protect and maintain that art Um, i believe you don't necessarily own it you kind of rent it so if I've bought a, a piece of art and uh, it's an expensive piece of art, there is an obligation on me to maintain that. Because from time to time, you know, through the materials that are used in the art piece or by accident or by where it's placed, it can sustain damage and therefore you need to be able to protect it and, uh, and repair it. I think the big issue that is, you know, what happens to it in the fullness of time, and that's the thing that I'm mm. constantly thinking about as to, you know, 
my children might see it as a an investment for them, whereas I don't see it as an investment for me. Mm. Uh, I just see it as something that I get a lot of pleasure out of being involved in. Um, if it's something I can pass on and allow people to experience, um, that that becomes much more important. Well, if, if there's you were uninhibited by time and money, what would be the perfect display of such a thing? Because you, you talked about virtual, but like if you could just create something for your oh, own. There's some amazing things that have been done by people. There's an amazing museum that a collector um, basically put together in Tasmania, and so they built their own museum. Yeah. I mean, I've not been there. I've heard about it. Um, I'm not not in that league by any means. So mm. the issue for me, especially with the art, is a virtual gallery would be an excellent arrangement for the military art because it's a very specific collection. Okay, that makes sense. What? So what is it? Like what? You notice a lot of people have different tastes in art, and um, and it varies. Is it? So do you sometimes can tell a lot by a person by what art they have? Kind of like a person that raises a dog a certain way, you kind of know what the owner's like. Yeah, I think the art come, kind of reflects a person's personality, um, particularly if they're a, a true collector. I mean, there will be people who buy, buy art so they can say, I've got this piece of art and, and it's a status symbol. Mm. Um, there are people like that. But the people I deal with, whether it's through the galleries or the auction houses, uh, where I gener- or the artists themselves... These are people who are genuinely interested in art. And to me, that makes them very interesting people. But they all have different tastes uh, and different experiences. And like any collection, an art to be a classic is that it's something that you develop over time. You develop an appreciation. You can see more into the works um, the more you see of them. So my tastes have changed and my preferences have changed. Um, you know, um, it's a bit of a sad thing that I didn't appreciate some of the contemporary work uh, 40 years ago when I started collecting because mm. it would be a lot more valuable oh, yeah. and therefore more uh, than it is now than it was back then. Not that it's about value. It's about accessibility. It was actually affordable back then. It's blinking expensive now. Mm. So if I'm buying one of those pieces, uh, I might only be able to buy one as opposed to 40 years ago, I might have been able to buy several. What's contemporary? Well, contemporary works um, works that are um, by modern artists as opposed to um, historical artists. Okay. Um, works by people like Ralph Hotary and uh, um, Colin McCann, um, Michael Smithers, um, you know, which were probably quite inexpensive 40 years ago, are very expensive now. Yeah. You know, and, and so they should be. They're, they're great works of art. But there's a number of artists that the price you will have to pay today is a lot more than the price you would have paid some years ago. Mm. There's other artists have gone the other way, of course. And uh, But at the end of the day, if you're a collector, you only buy what you like. Yeah, It's not about you know the, the price. The price just is a decision you have to make as to can I afford this price or not. 
Um, what really should be important is does this particular artwork have meaning for you? And, uh, and of course, you should be thinking about if I buy it, where is it going to go? Fair. Okay. Well, with all your experiences of buying art since you first got your payslip and had that art teacher, is there a strategic way? You know, you go to auction houses, you go here, or the, you, you don't raise your hand until the final bid, I don't know, or you got any tactics? Well, I think you have to look at whether or not you can afford to buy Step the piece. One, so you, yeah. you're probably not a good idea to have your hand up and they say, sold to the man over there in the grey shirt, and you go, oops, I think it's me. <laughs> I wonder how I'm going to pay for this. You know, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, the I, I think it is just a, about um, you know if you're going to get involved in, in buying art, uh, you should expose yourself to the opportunity to see as much art as you can. Whether you go to galleries, you know, like the art galleries, or to private galleries, to auction houses. Uh, to do a bit of your own research, to read on uh, about the work so that you get a feel for what sort of artworks you enjoy. Uh, is there a theme there? And it might be a theme, you might collect works from Auckland or works from the Taranaki. You might collect works from a particular period, the 19th century or the earlier 20th century. It, it, it's whatever works for you. Um, but the more you see, the less inclined you're going to be to make a mistake, mm. you know, to pay far more than you need to. And the people that trouble me in the art area are the ones who think art is an investment. It can be. I mean, the prices can go up in value, um, but it's not easily realisable. You can't always um, sell it as, as readily as you might. Uh, there's always the exception to the rule. I, I went along to the auctions at the International Arts Centre where they were selling off some of these Banksy prints. You know who Banksy yeah, is? Yeah, I know Banksy. Well, the prices sold, in my view, are just outrageous. Mm. Um, but they would argue that's the global price uh, for some of his works. And, and the works are prints, not originals. <laughs> so it's like... You know, that's that's a very dangerous area to get involved in because you could spend a lot of money and if you needed to sell that work, you wouldn't get that money back. Mm. And again, I suppose that's one of the things that I would always look at. Not that I'm intending to sell a work because I'm not, but if I did sell it, I'd like to think I got my money back. Yeah. So I'm not paying more than what the market price ought to be for that work. Not is, but ought to be. Because when these Banksy prints sold, that is the market price. But I'm looking at it and saying, that to me doesn't reflect value. Mm. It might reflect scarcity, maybe. It certainly reflects supply and demand, because an auction's a perfect storm. You know, It, it takes a, a vendor and a buyer to establish the price. But... Um, the market sometimes has got it wrong. You know, people can pay far, far more than they should pay for a work, and if they put it up again, they could take a bath. Seems to be um, transferable uh, strategic thinking um, from investing and in obviously collectibles in all aspects of life. But 
What would be your closing well, remarks on this point? Well, he, he is the difference. He's the difference. The um, collecting has got nothing to do with retirement planning. Yeah. Uh, collecting is about part of the journey. Some people are collectors, some people aren't. You know, everyone's different, and I don't care what you collect. Um, that probably makes you more interesting to me than someone who doesn't collect mm. because you have a passion. Mm. And it is about exploring the passion. And some of us take it far too far, and I'd probably be one of those <laughs> uh, if I was being truly honest. But you know, at the end of the home, you're a long time dead, and if you're doing what you enjoy doing and yeah. you're not hurting anyone and you're not compromising your ability to um, you know, pay your way, so to speak, you know, you're not compromising your ability to support your family, mm. uh, you're not compromising your ability to fund your eventual retirement, um, which, of course, you're the only one who would suffer if you did that. But you imagine if you, you know, spent all your money uh, on things um, but didn't look after your family needs, that yeah. wouldn't be good, just no. as if you spent all your money down the racetrack and, or on alcohol or drugs but didn't feed the kids. I mean, that's totally irresponsible. Um, I'm not saying collecting is in the same vein, but you, you do need to manage your money. And you do need to think ahead. But the thing with collections or collectibles, they do not provide an income. Yes, you may be able to sell them, so they may provide some cash flow, which may be more or less than what you paid for it. But the whole thing about collecting is most collectors are not traders, so they're not, they'd rather cut off their right arm than sell something mm. that they really enjoy. So it's a real fallback position for people. So from the retirement planning perspective, I would say that you then have to build your collections into your retirement planning and think about how much money you're going to need when you cease paid employment to maintain and protect those collections. Yeah. So all it does is actually raise the ante. Mm. And you know, if I was doing a retirement plan for a collector, I would understand that that this is an asset that you mean to keep, not sell. This is an asset that will cost you money but not make you money. Mm. Um, but you need to be able to protect it, so you're going to need more cash flow. And if you say, well, at some stage I'm going to sell it, I'm going, that's fine, but you know the market might be against you at that time mm. because collectibles can go up and down yeah. quite, quite quickly. They can fall out of favour um, you know, just on a whim. True. And and that's why we sort of delved into this. I mean, it's called the NZ Guide to Financial Freedom. And then, as we say, it's the return of your money, not the return on it. And, and collectibles and hobbies and passions are a means to enjoy life. I mean, what's the point of having money? I mean, it's freedom, choice, and security. So let's work on the freedom and buy some artworks. I need a few more years to be converted, um, but I do like the one that's behind my desk. Um, and yeah, anyone that has their own passions and uh, is curious on different directions they can go with it, then ask us a question. And Greg, seems like you want to say something. I'm just time. a bit worried about that painting behind your desk. I better take a photo of it in case it suddenly disappears. Yeah, yeah, you with, might want to document Ryan. that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No. Well, you heard it here first robbery at uh, Federal Street. <laughs> no, yeah. But anyone that wants um, uh, anyone that wants any questions answered, please send it through at Ryan at OnePlan.co.nz. 
it's a lot more enjoyable when you're not just talking into the ether and you're making a, a real change to someone's life. And uh, for those that want to make a real change to their audio, nzaudioeditors.com. And yeah, thanks. <laughs>